Today's episode of the Magic Hour at the Forum Club is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com backslash tips. That's gotomeeting.com backslash tips. Welcome to this week's edition of the Magic Hour here at the Forum Club at The Athletic. I'm Brian Kamenetsky with Andy Kamenetsky coming to you on Sunday evening. Um, April 5th, you know, heading April into April 5th. 6th. April 6th. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it's, that. It's, it is your birthday. How old are you now? Uh, <laughs> old enough to remember uh, when life didn't what consist like? of staying in your house all day, every day. The good news is none of us will ever like time has stopped. All of us will will, will be ageless at least for a little while. Yeah, my my so daughter. Whatever you are now, my daughter turned nine uh, on the first, and like you know, we my wife and I went out of our way to really try to give her the best birthday possible because I mean th- this sucks for her. She had a party plan that you know is postponed and all that. I told my wife, don't bother with anything for me. Like, I mean, like, really, I, I don't want to put anybody through anything right now. It's just not worth it. I said, wait until this is over and then throw me the biggest goddamn party ever because I want my attention. I just don't want it now when it will suck. Yeah, I was just like, it's just, it's so not worth the headache. We have so many other things to be dealing with right now. And it, you know, just just don't do it. Yeah, I'm not sending you anything. Thank I, you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate <laughs> I'm, that. I'm, I'm getting in the spirit of it. I mean, what? I mean, I... I Maybe you know what? If you want, I'll bring you some takeout. I might take you up on that. All right, we'll see. Um, all right, so it is um, it is Sunday uh, going into Monday. Got a lot to talk about actually today. Not it, an unusual show in that regard, uh, given the times that we're in. Kobe Bryant uh, inducted, or excuse me, I should say, named to the 2020 Hall of Fame class. No surprise there, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we actually watched the 2010 Finals, the Game Seven from. End to end, which neither one of us had ever done, did that over the. I, I actually have so done, but it hasn't been for a few years. It's been a while. Well, I haven't done it, and uh, that is all I'm concerned with. And um, so we'll we'll talk a little bit about that because a few things really really stuck out. Uh, the NBA, there are some rumblings about how they might try to finish the season, including some interesting uh, out of the box type concepts that I'm not sure will actually work, but they're you know I got to give them credit for for thinking about it. Uh, we'll talk about what happens if the season goes away. And then a fun interview. We'll take some mailbag questions and a fun interview with a uh, with our friend Ali Khan, who is the host of Cheap Eats on uh, the cooking channel. And he's got some some good pandemic food uh, cooking tips, how to get through it, eat well, eat cheap, because that's kind of important right now. So we'll get into that. That's an interview that we did a little earlier today that will bring you uh, yeah, maybe a special announcement. We got a special announcement. Yes, we do. Ooh, we got a big one special. coming up at the end of big, this thing. Big one. Um, anyway, let's start with Kobe. Obviously, no surprise that he was named to the 2020 Hall of Fame class. And a lot, of, I think, the conversation around the weekend was, again, kind of, you know, the obviously the sadness of Kobe. Uh, but also, is this like the greatest Hall of Fame class? And it's Kobe and Tim Duncan and KG and Tamika Catchings and some others. Um the part that I thought was interesting is just that he and Duncan went in together because they were for a long time were kind of a Rorschach test 
on what kind of player you liked. Um, and for them to go in at the same time is fun. I think that's a cool, cool little wrinkle. Yeah. I mean, Kobe used to describe the Spurs all the time as the biggest rival that he had as a player, you know, between the idea that he and, you know, he played in the Western Conference his entire career. So he was always having games against the Spurs. And then in particular, the Kobe's Lakers and Tim Duncan's Spurs, whether you're talking about in the Kobe Shaq era or in the Kobe Powell era, they went up against each other in the playoffs a lot. And, you know, they, they, the Lakers uh, eliminated the Spurs, the Spurs eliminated the Lakers. Interesting quirk that I found, Brian, in doing a little bit of research about this. Every time uh, during the Kobe Duncan years, that one of them eliminated the other, that team at minimum went to the finals, if not won a title every I single time. I did not know that. Yeah. That is kind of cool. In it's 90- not surprising. Those were you know, those two really good teams. Yeah. In 99, uh, the Spurs eliminated the Lakers during the lockout year. They ended up winning a championship. In 2001, the Lakers eliminated the Spurs. That was a year that they went 15-1 and one in the postseason, obviously won a championship. 2003, the Spurs knocked out the Lakers. That was the series where Robert Ory literally could not hit an outside shot. Then 2004, you had point four when the Lakers eliminated the Spurs. 2008, the Lakers eliminated the Spurs in the, two, in the Western Conference Finals. So, and every year, again, the, those teams either went to the finals or won it all. Yeah. What happened in, uh, what happened in the Dwight year? Uh, Oh, the Spurs you, went to the, the Spurs. You, did they go to the cr- finals that year? I uh, think so, right? Yes, they went to the finals. No, 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 no. I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I, I was wrong with my research. But that, no, but, but, and, but you were talking about sort of the Kobe teams, and technically, while that was a Kobe team, Kobe didn't play. That's true. So that it does that is, not ruin your stats. That's true. That is, I think, why I completely forgot about that postseason is because Kobe was not a part of it, and, and those Lakers really were. There was something of a paper tiger as the eight seed that year. <laughs> they were thin. That yes. group was thin. By the time the playoffs rolled around, that was a thin group. But that year, the Thunder went to the finals, uh, the, the finals, and they lost to the Heat. Um, yeah, but anyway, we don't we don't count that. Um, I just I got to. I mean, obviously, I, I appreciate. I think I appreciated Duncan and the sort of the philosophy of Duncan and the Spurs. Um, even though I mean, we were covering Kobe, you know, great admiration for Kobe and all blah, 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 blah. I was probably more, I don't know if Duncan was better. I hate that game, but I think I, 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 I liked that more aesthetically in, in a lot of ways than I liked what Kobe was doing. What Kobe did was flashier and it was, you know, it was, it was visually more impressive. It was all these things, but like, I, I just, I kind of like the philosophy of what the Spurs did more. I, 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 I fully admit that, you know, with the caveat of, oh my God, they're both awesome. I had an interesting thought experiment, uh, when it came to thinking about Kobe and Duncan going into the hall of fame together, Brian, and also just thinking about, you know, the, the time they spent going back and forth and the two of them, really respected the hell out of each oh, other. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean they, they, because there's no way that they couldn't given just how smart both of these guys were about the game, how technically perfect they were about they, I mean, they were very similar in 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 a lot of ways and just obviously in a couple really important ones very different. Well, that that leads to the thought experiment I had, which was how would they have worked together? 
Like, because like they're, they're temperamentally so opposite, but in ways that may not have butted up against each other, like Kobe and Shaq's personality problems, you know, eventually led to the splitting up of those teams. You know, like Kobe had never had somebody on Duncan's level whose work ethic he couldn't question, you know, who had that dedication on both sides of the ball. And Duncan never had a wing as talented as Kobe, but he also, you know, for all of Duncan's stoicism, you know, he, he proved accepting of quirks and such with Manu. You know, I mean, like Manu was a guy that was very unpredictable in a way that Kobe could be unpredictable on the court. And, you know, at times it was a negative unpredictability. But Duncan and Manu clearly flourished really, really well and were very but close. Duncan, I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting because there was never another, like Duncan was always the core of that team. Yeah. Like once, certainly once David Robinson. You could certainly make the argument that Duncan and Kobe together would have been basically Kobe and Powell on steroids. Yeah. As good as Powell was um, as a partner for Kobe, Duncan was a better player. He absolutely and, was. And, you know, the the difference becomes... Is the fact that Duncan and Kobe, you could make the argument, which guy is the better player? Who is the alpha? Whose team is it? Whatever. Would that have been a problem with that group in the way that it wasn't with Gasol? Because everyone knew who ate first, Andy. I don't know. Um, I, I, and I, and I, if, the, if they could solve that problem, they never would have lost, like the, ever. The, that's what I was going to say. It's like... I. Obviously, it becomes a different dynamic than there was between Kobe and Powell in terms of the, you know, the who eats first quandary. But the difference is we saw Duncan fairly, you know, I, I'm not going to say fairly early in his career, but certainly during parts of his prime where he was willing to cede a lot of ground to Tony Parker. For sure. And there was a point at which, you know, Pop basically said, we need to make this quote unquote Tony's team on a scoring basis on how the offense operates not like who's the leader in the locker room no, it was always duncan right i mean he, duncan was the sort of the intellectual and emotional core of that team but here's the thing i think what you could have done is like i don't think duncan necessarily duncan might have even welcomed kind of the first of all where is this team playing is it in san antonio or is it in los angeles or is it somewhere else well it has to that's, be in san antonio because tim duncan is not spending his entire career as a laker okay that's true so let's pretend it's in san antonio uh, whatever it is, I mean, Duncan in some ways probably would have liked having Kobe be the guy who sort of absorbs all of it because he he didn't want any of it. And as I think as long as like you don't see the the Kobe black swan, white swan, big boy pants BS that he used to kind of throw at Powell, like the mind games in that way. I don't think he needed to do that. With I was Duncan, just going to say. But if you don't if you don't have any of that, if Kobe doesn't pull that kind of stuff which he, again, probably wouldn't have needed to. I don't, I don't see, I mean, on the court, it would have been incredible. Like those two guys mesh beautifully. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, like you said, it's, it's Kobe and Powell on steroids, you know, or a, I would say maybe even a, a more refined version of Kobe and Shaq. I mean, like the only thing that you could throw out there that Kobe and Powell would have been a better tandem is Powell was a better passer than Duncan. I mean, Duncan was, was still good, pretty but he good passer. Powell. He wasn't Powell, but he was, and like, cause he couldn't run, he couldn't run the floor dribbling in the same way that, that Powell could. But I mean, my God, those two together and, and just the respect that they would have for each other's game. Right. Like that, I, I would have loved to just And the work, see. cause it would have, it probably, it would certainly, I don't know if it's a more dominant at its peak combo than Shaq Kobe, because 
I don't know peak, if anything can be. Right, because peak Shaq was just terrifying. Yeah. As and, was, also, and Kobe was just coming into right. his peak during the tail end of their time playing together. And Shaq did a lot of that stuff that Duncan, like Shaq was a really good passer and Shaq was. Yes, he was. But the stuff that broke that relationship up wouldn't have been a problem with Duncan. You know, the professionalism, the, the need to, the need to have that spotlight in, in profane, you know, that both of them were kind of wrestling over and all that. Who coaches that? Is it a Phil coach team or a pop coach team? Honestly, I don't even know if it matters. I mean, b- both of those guys are such good coaches. Both of them had so much respect for both of those players, and both of those players had so much respect for both of those coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Tim, Phil was less flexible than Popovich was as a coach. But, you know, Pop, for all of, you know, the power that he wields with the Spurs, Pop is actually a pretty fluid coach. I mean, you know, that's been tested a little bit with some of the friction that he's had with LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, a a lot of that fluidity, I think, was the byproduct of how flexible Tim Duncan was. But I think philosophically- Sure, but they won certain years. They won being a really good offensive team. Certain years is a really good defensive team. They shot a ton of three-pointers. One year, they might change- I was going to say, philosophically, Pop was more fluid than Phil was. That being said, Tim Duncan would have worked just fine in the triangle. I think he'd have figured it out. Um, that they would have been really good, um, really, really, really good. I it's think also no question uh, about that. It's pretty, it's pretty ironic, also, too, to see Garnett and Duncan going together, just because by all accounts they did not like each other at all. My God, their battles were amazing. Yeah, quick, uh, quick word on on that game seven. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm not. I, I wrote about this, you know, uh, for the Athletic. I don't know. Last week I, again, time is a flat circle at this. I have no idea when any of anything happened. At some point, I wrote about Game Seven as the the greatest game I've ever seen, and it is uh, in 2010. I hadn't watched it again all the way through um, since the, that day, and you know, all of the things that stuck out to me in my mind, I remembered exactly right in terms of the uh, the fatigue, the the moments of. You know, you know, guys stepping up and, you know, the meta, you know, meta world peace and the three pointer and Sasha Vujicic with his thing, you know, with his uh, free free throws and Kobe's struggles and pow rebounding and, and just the, the 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 incredible. You know, just grit of this game and how awful I felt having to watch players this good struggle this much because they were so tired. It looks like they were playing. Like group tennis, on you ever see like those those little paddle ball courts that they have, like yeah. the mini, like where it almost feels like you're standing on the table, like a ping pong table. It looked like you're playing like a group game on one of those things. Everything now that's two or three feet beyond the three point or three point line that we're used to seeing was three or four feet inside the. I don't know how anybody did anything in 2010 um, because the spacing is just so different. It wasn't that long ago, but I, I couldn't get over it watching this game. Well, I mean, look, you're, you're not far removed uh, from the introduction of D'Antoni's seven seconds or less teams. You know, in 2006 and 2007, both of those teams eliminated the, the Lakers in the playoffs in the first round. And, you know, I mean, that's only three, four years 
uh, but it hadn't been validated yet. Right, but that's that, was the, that was that's a system that wasn't is, that was losing. But I sure that the, my point was just simply we weren't far in 2010 from that being like playing from outer space. Yeah, like what like what they were doing, D'Antoni and them was considered so weird. You know, in, in like 2006, 2007, like the gimmicky. Idea, it was really gimmicky. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and now it's the way that essentially the entire league plays. But it it does kind of bring it other than the Lakers. Just, Right. It does bring into focus, though, how skilled like Kobe and Powell were operating in these tight spaces and the, the passing of this. I mean, the, the way that, that matter, they worked Garnett together. Pierce, For sure. Garnett and Ray Allen. Yeah, all of them. Um, but anyway, it was just, it, it really it really stuck out to me. Um, By the way, too, watching uh, that game. And, and for I wasn't really thinking about this, Brian, because A, we were hosting a, a live chat for 710 ESPN. Um, which was actually really fun. We had a lot it of was. people uh, dropping by. We're hoping to do some more of those uh, over the course of the quarantine era. But also, you know, I was really caught up in the game because it was the first time I had watched this game from start to finish in at least a few years. But at the end, once the, once the dust had settled and you've got everyone on that podium and you see Kobe and David Stern. Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott. Yeah. Gigi Bryant. Mm-hmm. I I, I was, was not prepared for how I was going to feel. No, it's like, a lot of a lot of people. It's a lot of people gone. It, it was. I mean, you know, because we used to see Natalia and Gigi. You know, when they were little, we used to see them all the time. Yeah, they were they were there at the end of every game. Uh, but yeah, but it was it was it was really was a remarkable game, and it was kind of fun to sit there and watch it again. It was actually basket, a lot of fun. basketball has changed. It is different. I like it better now. I mean, I, I know people argue about it. I, I just think it's a way more uh, open and fun and fluid thing now than it was when we started covering it, for sure. Um, if, you know, obviously, too, the last time the Lakers won a title, uh, this year was the chance, looked like the Lakers had a, uh, had, had a chance, have a chance, however you want to put it, to do it again. You know, it, it does also kind of bring into relief the the incredible loss this would be for the Lakers if it can't finish the season. Um, Lakers are huge. I mean, I know every team that has a shot at it loses. The Lakers, I think, more than other teams, really lose in this exchange. I mean, LeBron's a year older. The Warriors get healthy next year. The Nets get KD back. You know, you don't know if the, the chemistry works as well next year. You don't know, you know, if you're going to stay as healthy next year. The team has been pretty healthy this year, save a couple injuries to Avery Bradley and the early stuff with Kuz. Like that's a hard thing to replicate next year. Yeah, I mean, I I always say the best chance that you have for a championship is always the one that's realistically right in front of you. And the Lakers, you know, they were on the short list of teams that had a legitimate shot of winning a championship. I th- I think the consensus was really Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Like those yeah. are the I- three teams that nobody would be surprised by winning a championship. Yeah, and I, and the Lakers had just come off that. That stretch where you know, they beat Milwaukee, they beat the Clippers, and, and, and answered some of those questions about the viability of their group against the, those you know, elite, elite, elite teams. They'd beat, they'd beat Denver, they'd beat you know, Utah, they'd beat, but they hadn't beat the super elite teams, and then they did, and then the whole thing went away. Um, and so along those lines, I know, Andy, you've seen like all the different alternative plans, like the the Vegas style quarantine bubble league um, to try to finish the season where they would just bring every like the entire league to Vegas and just play the rest of the year and then into the playoffs 
whether it's eight games, 16 games, whatever, whatever time you would have to do it, and then somehow play the playoffs with no one leaves Las Vegas like the entire time. You yeah. are basically quarantined there. It would be, I mean, it's out of the box, and to give them credit for, for thinking about it, no fans, and, and, and it's not obviously not ideal. It would be cool if they could figure out a way to, pu- uh, to pull it off. Is there a way that they could pull that off? I mean, I, I don't know the answer for the same reason that the NBA doesn't know the answer. It's because the situation is so fluid right now, and we're dealing with this virus that we are still on so many levels trying to get a handle on how to contain it, you know, if there's a a potential for prevention, you know, like how you really know if these players, let's say they all test negative for the virus before you begin, what would be a playoffs? Like, can you keep them negative? You know what I mean? Because if one Because you also have to have, you know, enough of a support staff. Exactly. You know, there are going to be bust, you know, there are going to be people there who have to make food. They're going to be like, there's going to be other, you can't, you know, other people are going to be there. Right. So, I mean, you have to figure out the best way to keep that negative status going for an entire playoffs. Because if one player tests positive, the whole thing's done. One person. Yes. Not one player, one person. And this is because I, am, I, have, I have gotten very pessimistic about stuff like this, about the ability to finish. I think this season is not going to happen. I think it's, I think it's done. Um, I, I don't blame the NBA for not saying anything yet. I think it's premature before, you know, it's it just, the calendar just turned into April. There is time depending on what plays out. There are a lot of things happening with coronavirus where it seems like maybe the rate of asymptomatic infection is larger than people thought, which means more people might have already had it without knowing it. And maybe the rate of spread is high. I don't know. It, this is going to surprise you. I'm not an epidemiologist, um, but when you put all these things together about the risks of putting people in the same place, beyond the fact that you got to get players and everyone to agree to go live without their families without for potentially months on end without ever leaving like whatever hotel they're in, you know, like if this happens at. I don't know, the win or some play, whatever hotel you put, like you, they cannot leave. No. Ever. Nope. They can't go anywhere. Like, so you got to get people to agree to that. And I'm not totally sure everyone would. The players? The, well, players, the, play- the, the players will absolutely agree. I, well, I don't they think- get, They get paid. But I, they, well, I, I don't, plus I actually, also, I, too, they- they, they, want, these, I, they want to finish the season, right? right? They, they want to finish the season, but they also, for the, for the teams that are in this thing and actually part of the playoffs, they want their shot. There's not going to be a player who says no. I actually, I don't know about that. I don't know. Like, when you get into the logistics of what this would be, I'm not entirely sure that, that it would be such an easy sell. I, I disagree because- it, Yeah, you could be right. I, 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 I first just, of all, I, it's not going to take as long as a typical playoffs because there's no travel to account for. Like you, you don't, it's not, it doesn't have to be stretched as long away from No, but you still, you, you're still going to have to play, you know, it's still basically an every other day kind of thing. Right. I get that. But, you know, first of all, some of these players know I'm not going to be there very long. <laughs> like That's they true. know they're going to be. And also, I guess it also depends on how much of the rest of the regular season you try that, to salvage. that is done. There is not, I, I am 100% competent. I, I confident. I'm more than happy to be wrong. You are not 100% confident. confident. Uh, yes, I'm a hundred percent confident <laughs> in saying there's not going to be a regular season. Well, I mean, maybe it's a game or two or whatever, but I it's don't not even much. think they're going to do that. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the time I don't think is going to be time. 
And also just if you only play one or two games, what's the point? You might as well just start the playoffs. Well, do you I haven't even looked at the standings recently. Would you need No, first of all, it's it's important to remember for everyone. There's no fair way to do this. There's no someone is going to get screwed. It's going to be unfair. It's not going to be equitable in every way. Maybe you have to do some sort of thing where you where you do a play in eight, you know, seven through ten in each conference. In the Eastern Conference, other than seeding, there's really nothing there in terms of fairness to decide. The whoever the nine seed is behind the magic, and I don't remember who it is off the top of my head. They would have mathematically had a tough go at this. I believe it's the Washington Generals. Right. They would have had a difficult go at this, even if they, they had the remainder of the regular season to play. So, yeah. I mean, other than maybe Orlando feeling like they might have gotten screwed not being able to pass Brooklyn for the seventh seed, because I think there's only about a game in between them. It, there's a lot of it. I mean, I think a lot of right. The West. Issues. The, it's really, it's really a question of the West and how sure. you would organize that. But, so know, maybe the, you have, maybe there's some sort of play. Like you could, maybe. you could figure out a way. Maybe, but you know, I'm what, just man? Th- this ain't fair. Like this whole thing right. ain't fair. You're not going to be able to take fairness into accountability. I there, that I agree with. There, there is, there is not going to be. I think a regular season. I, I would be stunned by that. I, I'd be stunned so if maybe, they could figure out maybe the if you could just do the playoffs, it mitigates some of the. My biggest, the thing that I'm most worried about, though, is like if if because we know so little, the thing that seems to be a consensus, like I look at China, and they're just starting to open up their society, um, as is my understanding, and like people can go out and they can ride public transportation and they. They're not under lockdown anymore, but a lot of things where groups of people would convene are still closed. Can't go to a movie theater. Can't go to large restaurants as much. So, and this was a place where they locked down much differently than they did in the United States and essentially is a surveillance state by nature. Like it's, it's harder to, and they're still dealing with these you know, recurring hotspots and things pop up and they got to lock this down. It's, it's really hard. And you, A, nobody wants to be the league that looks like they're opening up too early and just trying to grab the money. It's a, that's Absolutely a tough look. Not. You cannot be in a situation where, you know, the, the, it would be a disaster on like an epic level if you have to put something like this on and then pull it away. You know what it, it uh, reminds me of a bit, and it's it's not a total apples to apples comparison, but I think it actually is a comparison that does work. It reminds me of the situation when Chris Bosh was looking to make a comeback, and it wouldn't have made a difference how many waivers that he signed or like how many doctors signed off on his blood clot issue. No, it, it, it was a blood clot, correct? Yes. No team was going to be the one to be morbid about this, took a chance on Chris Bosh dying on their court. Right. Like even if would, they didn't, even if they had no liability, you just no, even you if can't they had no in good I, conscience allow it to right. happen. Right. It becomes a PR and an emotional nightmare. Like even if they followed Chris Bosh's wishes, they still end up in the middle of an absolute nightmare. And in this dilemma right now with the coronavirus, everyone is potentially Chris Bosh. Right. And you don't even know specifically who has the blood clot issue. It seems, it seems again, this is not this is from reading and from, you know, following along, whatever. It seems like until either, the, my, I am more increasingly, not just with basketball, with everything, 
believing that sports will not look normal until there's a vaccine or and or really widespread testing like the kind of thing you remember at the end of contagion where everybody's got like their wristband yeah and it, like stuff like that where you know I, I i like where you know exactly who's been tested and what you know who's theoretically i mean you have to know if there really is an immunity you know is it going to come back in the fall all these other things i feel like all of those things have to happen before any league is going to be now the nba has advantages over major league baseball they're only you know 13 players on a team, 15 guys, 17 guys, whatever it is, the support staff can be smaller. You don't need nearly as you could set up, you know, 10 courts in ballrooms across Las Vegas in hotels and, you know, in one hotel and, and make it work. You well, can and set also up another, TV advantage the, another advantage the NBA has right now is, again, because there ain't going to be a regular season. You only have to do this with half your league, not the whole but thing. But I'm just saying, like, just like it's easier to stage in like a central location or whatever it is, uh, basketball than it is baseball. You couldn't run a baseball out of, you couldn't run baseball out of like two stadiums. No, but I'm just Uh, saying it's an advantage to not have to deal with your entire league if you're looking to start back up. That's true. But in football, it's the same way. Like, you know, the NFL is going to run into problems like this. I just, I don't, I don't know how, I I don't know where, sports in big, in big picture terms, is just not going to look normal until there's a vaccine or really widespread testing because you can't be in a situation where the minute, you know, you kind of go back too early. It's one thing if, you know, I go back to work and whatever, I test positive and I, now I'm out of work for a couple of weeks and we can, you know, do the contact tracing and all these other things. And can, some people have had it, some people won't, but we're, in in six months, we're still going to be in the same position potentially. Where if somebody gets infected in in a in a in a league, team staff, a player, whatever it is, you got quarantine half a team. Even if some people have already been exposed, or not, it's it's just you. It's going to be really hard to start things up again. And yeah, are people going to want to be in a crowd of seventy five thousand well, people? That I just, to me is a moot. Everything point is going to be different. That to me is a moot point because I think it's really going to be a long time before you're doing this before an audience. I mean, I like, agree. That part, I, I, that 100% agree. I, I have, if not optimism, I have certain ways to wrap my head around the idea of sports commencing again in a very, very contained situation. Like, for example, with the NBA, if the playoffs get going and the Lakers are competing, I could see a scenario where Frank Vogel does not have his entire staff. It's like you pick two guys. You don't pick the entire staff yeah. just because you're looking to run down the numbers. Like, you're going, to be, you're going to be going with as much skeleton crews as possible. There are not going to be fans in attendance for a while. No, and like, you know, broad, broadcasters would all be done from their cities. Like, yep. you would not bring the broadcasters. You would, Absolutely Everybody's not. just calling games off TV. And yep. you know, it, it, I, 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 I'm hope, I want to sort of hope that it's possible. I just feel like the logistics of doing this in a time frame that allows you to give guys enough of a break to start the next season theoretically close to on time because you don't want to be chasing the calendar for three years um i think you know what if you start if you if you the playoffs you start them in july or something like that you basically move the calendar probably permanently to start on christmas and which there had been talk about doing anyway right so maybe maybe it can work 
But just the more I think about it and the more we sort of are learning about what this is and what a lot of experts, you know, the the Gottliebs of the world seem to think will be required for America to go back to work broadly, not just in sports. It just feels like we're a long way away from that. Yeah. Which sucks. I mean, I mean, we work in sports media. This is not good news for us. Um, but I just, this is kind of what I feel like it is. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I mean, and the truth is nobody knows, which also includes nobody knows the good things that may happen. I hope so. And that's true. It's easy to focus on the, the negative, but the risk, the risk assessment here is always, is always going to be tilted towards what if something goes wrong. Absolutely. Um, as well, it should do. You, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you want to do uh, Ali now or do you want to do the mailbag now? Uh, let's do the mailbag now. Let's do the mailbag and then we'll get to our interview with Ali Khan of uh, the Cooking Channel. We'll start here with the mailbag question from Metal Hoops Head, the Don favorite He's taco meat. He is. For me, favorite taco uh, meat. It was tough for me to decide between fish. Like I love a seared ahi taco or a mahi taco. Oh, you're so bougie, seared it, ahi. It's it's so good. It is good. So good. Um, mahi it, is more of like a standard classic fish taco. Yeah, I mean you could do that. You could you could also throw in uh, you know throw in some shrimp, you know something like that. But I I usually like the fish more than the shrimp or just pork. Like I don't care if it's carnitas. I don't care if it's al pastor. Like it was really hard for me to decide between fish or pork. I I. I probably would go fish just because getting that really well done feels like a little bit more of a treat. That right. being said, you know, pork is so damn good. And here's the problem: it varies by stand. Like there, there's a stand that has lengua that is just delicious. It's I mean, it is, they do lengua so well. This down at the uh, Grand Central Market, it's so good. And there's a stand that's at like. Oxford and Pico or something like that, or a little, actually a little further east than that, that does al pastor better than any, like it's that particular past al pastor is so good. Um, but like, I don't like pastor from everywhere in the same way that I would even like a carnitas or an asada. So it kind of depends on the stand. Like you got to go around, like part of the fun of having so many places to get tacos in LA is figuring out which place has that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the place you go to get, um, you know, cheek meat. That's the place you oh, go you f- where they do chicken really good. You know, just find a place that has goat. Pollo. You know, you, you get goat oh, done yeah. really well. It's fantastic. Yeah. So it's like, I, that to me is like, the, is, is the fun. So I'm not trying to waffle on this question, but the answer really is, where am I getting it? Because the same place where I'd get Al Pastor, I wouldn't get, uh, other things. And then if I'm not getting, if I'm not going to this place, I might not even get, might get carnitas instead. Sure. But all things so, being equal. As opposed, or I might get cabeza if I'm a, you know, whatever. A, all a things stand. being equal, what kind of taco would you want? If I can want? get the, if my, if I can get the best of all of them, I think I'd get pastor. Okay. There you go. That's an actual answer. There you go. Right. But it, man, it's close. It is hard. It's uh, very hard. Oof. Uh, this is an interesting one from at Peter Harper with the forced time away because of COVID. Is there any sign that the Lakers might be able to drop Dion waiters and re-sign boogie <laughs> cold world, man? It is. <laughs> no, my Dion guess waiters, is, we hardly knew you. My guess is no, only because you encounter the same problems 
for Boogie that you had pre-coronavirus, which is where do you play him? The, there's actually yeah. more of a need for Dion Waiters than there actually is for Boogie. And didn't they use some of like the injury exception that they got for Boogie to pay Dion more? Maybe, but or it's been it, so long ago. Nobody in the league that, will remember. Uh, yeah. Like you what can they you do? can sneak a lot past no, the No, did, right no, 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 they used that money on on Morris. I that's where that money went. I don't know, but that's my point. Nobody's going to remember. <laughs> can you imagine? No, <laughs> slide it in there. Nobody remembers the details of any of this stuff. No, so they I, just, of course they not. Slide them in there. Yeah, I mean the but, reason you know, I, I think I think I don't think they can bring it back at this point. But it does raise kind of the interesting point of like if you restart the season, like guys are going to be healthy that weren't like you know, and 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 all of this stuff, it, it does change the complexion of of what this was. Like, if Portland gets in, does that mean Nurkic is able to play? Like might. little stuff like that that can make it, a big difference. Yeah, he might be able to play Kevin Durant in theory. Although I don't think they'd actually put him on the court, but in theory, could be available for the Nets. Well, if if he took took three more months, he might be available to play. Maybe he might be. I don't know. Uh, be, you know, Ben Simmons, his back all those guys could, would be much healthier. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kawhi, Paul George. There's like a lot of guys who'd been dealing with uh, injuries over the course of the year that, in theory, could end up a lot better off when you know with a playoffs beginning when it typically would have been done for three weeks um this from osana bennett have you guys tried sasha vujic's wine no we it's too expensive it is so expensive i'm looking at the site right now and i'm just going to go through all the bottles and their prices the 2015 alexander reserve uh, for people who are not aware alexander is sasha's given name sasha is a nickname the estate club price, $80.75. However, if you're part of the collector's club, you can get it for a cool $76. The 2015 Alexander- seem like a really big discount. <laughs> no, it doesn't, actually. It's, it's, you know what? Wait to hear the next one. <laughs> How much does it cost to get into the collector's club? I'm not sure, but it Hold better on. be dirt cheap I gotta look, because- I'm going to look that up while you're talking. For the 2015 Alexander, the estate club price, $63.75. The collector's club price, $60. <laughs> Who the hell came up with this? The 2014 Alexander Reserve- uh, estate club price, $80.75. Okay, here's your savings. Collector's club price, $76. Like it, it, if the 2014 Alexander Reserve is really that good of a wine, it's 69% Merlot, 31% Cabernet well, this uh, is what Sauvignon, like, you gotta that's just, where you save you got, You're plunking down a cool grand just to join the collector's club. Wow. You get 12 bottles annually, a 20% discount with any purchase. So if you're purchasing more, you get you get one library wine per shipment, one surprise gift with each shipment. I believe it's a headband. Private <laughs> wine tastings by appointment only. Exclusive invites to Alexander events and wine dinners. Special offers and deals offered only to our wine club members. Nine hundred and ninety nine dollars plus tax and shipping. Jeez. Okay, here's I'm a question. On more info. Brian. I'd like some more information. Here's a question. Did Sasha overinflate? His value as a player or Vintner more? I don't know. I don't know if the wine's any good. <laughs> I have the no regular idea, price. But... If you wanted all of this, Andy, and wanted to pay retail for it, it would cost you one thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. But in the collectors' club, you're only paying ninety nine 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 hundred ninety nine dollars. That is a savings 
of $150. I mean, look, I, I don't want to, you know, besmirch Sasha out of pocket, but do you know how damn arrogant you have to be to have your least expensive bottle $60? Oh, by the way, it too. Got, it's a 90, the, the uh, 2010 Alexander is a 95 point rated uh, wine by winereviewonline.com. I just realized, by the way, that I was only reading the estate club prices or collector's club prices. If you're not a member of the club, the first wine that I read, $95 bottle. That, the Alexander Reserve. The 2015 say, Alexander, $75. WineReviewOnline.com also gave the Alexander Reserve a 95 points. I'm just saying, this wine better be incredible because I'm it's starting. Really I'm looking through these reviews. I'm starting to think that um, wine wine winereview.com is the uh, Maria Salas of TV, CBS Telenoticias of reviews. Remember that one lady who always used to give every movie a fantastic review? And so hers would be the only one that was on like when they would show like the, the, the critic comment on the commercial. Yeah. It was always her. <laughs> she always gave a movie a good review. By no the way, how too, bad it was. Yeah. Uh, by the way, too, with uh, the Alexander label, they also do olive oil Except every time I have ever checked this site, the olive oil is always sold out. Huh. Like, I don't know if they've discontinued the olive oil or they're just, you know, they sell it so quickly they can never keep up with the demand, but they're right. all, they never have olive oil available. The 2011 Alexander wine gets a 91 points from something called Booze Hounds with a Z. I've actually heard of Booze Hounds. Okay, so that's legit. I don't know if it's legit. I'm just saying I've heard of it. <laughs> I feel like if you want to be a really well thought of uh, wine review site, you should not spell hounds with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it never ceases to amaze both of us how just, you got to be so damn cocky to come out of the gate with no winemaking experience with your wine this expensive. Like you- it, You're really I, it, it, see, I mean, Again, maybe, we're, maybe it's because we're just like normal schmoes. Like this no. is an expensive bottle of wine for people like us. No, it's this is a pretty expensive bottle. And I mean, unless you're either really with means or just really like a wine freak, for most people, seventy-five dollars to almost $100, it's a hundred dollars. It's an expensive bottle. That's an expensive bottle. That's yeah. that's not just uh you know our tax bracket. Like that that's legit expensive. That's a legit expensive bottle. So no, we've never had. We've never had the Sasha Vujicic Alexander wine. No, I am really curious. I've always been so curious. Huh. I do like the gallery, which is a bunch of pictures of like Sasha at a wine open. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a pictures of the wine. And then I have some pictures of olives, ostensibly to make that olive oil <laughs> they never have available. And then like some pictures of leaves and stuff. Yeah. I'm not impressed by the by the gallery. <laughs> Can't lie. Um, all right, final question uh, from Marcus Steele, Man of Steel, uh, eight twenty four. Uh, since you guys are a duo, the best buddy cop movie. He throws out Lethal Weapon, Forty Eight Hours, Rush Hour, Bad Boys, The Other Guys. What's your choice? Uh, my number one is without question Forty Eight Hours. That's the mm -hmm. best of all of them. Um, it's also sort of the the grandfather, at least in the modern era, of those type of movies. Yes, you know, like the the mismatched personalities, mismatched racial uh, racially. Uh, you know, the the hot tempered cop, uh, grizzled typically with the uh, smart ass young guy. 
Um, I would, and Eddie Murphy, that was, by the way, for people not aware, Eddie Murphy's uh, film debut. He is absolutely spectacular. Uh, he and Nick Nolte are so good together. Um, I would rank them as following. 48 Hours, number one, Lethal Weapon, two, The Other Guys, three, Rush Hour, four, Bad Boys, five. Yeah, Lethal Weapon 2, by the way, could be like, right? And like, Lethal Weapon 2 is a really great movie. Yeah, it is good. It's arguably better than just regular Lethal Weapon. It is actually um, really good. The, the other, by the way, if you have not seen it, the other guys. Patsy Kensett, I had a thing for like, that was, that was, you know, you make your list of, of women who have an impact mm-hmm. when you're of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Patsy Kensett and Lethal Weapon 2 is on my list. Yeah, I get that. I understand it. Yeah. Uh, for people who've not seen it too, the other guys really funny. It is good. It's the other very guys good. is very funny. Um, yeah, that was good. So yeah, there you go. I, I I would basically agree with that. But Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon Two. I'm not a huge Rush Hour guy. Not a huge Bad Boys guy. Yeah, I um, I like Rush Hour. They're fine. I, yeah, I like Rush Hour. Don't love it, but I think it was. I think the first one was funny. I think Bad Boys was okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. okay. Um, all right. So that's the, uh, the mailbag this week. Um, let's get to our interview with Ali Khan. Joining us now, he is the host of Cheap Eats on the Cooking Channel, uh, featured on The Best Thing I Ever Ate. He's a food blogger. Uh, he's a guy who, uh, most importantly, has contributed to our road trip eating columns all year long here at The Athletic. Uh, he is Ali Khan, um, and he's a defender of In-N-Out Burger. Uh, which I appreciate. You know, he used to live out here in California. Now he's in, in Texas. Uh, would you actually be one of these guys during the pandemic who sits in the parking lot for like two and a half hours going through the in and out line? Um, I mean, the line's not that bad. It is. No, it um, is. Have you seen the pictures? I mean, not not in my so look, I've been going in and out. You can't can go inside. Right no, I mean it's different than it's different than it was when you're pandemic in and out is a different deal. Andy, you've seen the pictures, haven't you? Yeah, they look pretty intense. Although I don't know if it's still like that. I mean, I it, saw one today. I, mean, you never, I don't know when it was, you know, maybe it was an old picture, but folks is waiting. Wow. I mean, I, I've been able to get in it. <laughs> pardon the pun. I've been able to get in and out without any problems. In fact, uh, they forgot my animal fries. I came home, looked in the bag, call, and drove right back and got them. And uh, luckily, have not had any issues there. Um, I do have to tell you, though, I do have a. I I I really, I've I've got the burger to order at In and Out. It is it is the result of a lot of Reddit soul searching, really. <laughs> but um, it 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 yes, I used Reddit and uh, I used my heart. You know, I used my heart and I followed my heart, and I have the most ultimate burger you could ever have it in and out it's 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 at capacity you could not fit more between two pieces of bread well please share i mean this this is the time where people need uh things to keep them going gone okay so you know i i could not talk about this without just saying this this burger will cost you six dollars and 55 cents which is <laughs> fair well, it's all, i mean it's, it's, it doesn't sound large. like a lot but at in and out that's an expensive that's, burger that's, right. that's yes yes it is it is it is so you know we all share the same you know history of growing up in the midwest with hamburgers like i feel like hamburgers were like what we were weaned off of besides breast milk right so coming to southern california i didn't have have big expectations of being wowed by 
burgers. And when I first went to In-N-Out, I was never blown away by it. Because if you go to In-N-Out, you see the menu, you have what? You have a hamburger, you have a cheeseburger, and a double-double. Now, coming from the Midwest, I'm used to having, you know, like a fair, you know, like I'm a meat and potatoes guy, right? And when I had double-double, I was like, could I have two? Could there be an encore for the double-double? So, eventually, I would learn about the secret menu, which means you could, you know, play around with the levels, if you will. So here it is. I'm just, we'll just get it out there. I order a four by two, which is four patties, two slices of cheese. I'm trying to just out the gate say you need to have more meat than cheese. Double double says what? That's too much cheese. So four by two, four patties, two cheese. I like to get it animal style, which is the mustard and the grilled onions cooked onto the beef because I believe that adds so much beefy umami flavor to the burger. Then I also add raw onion. So when you order animal style, you're getting grilled onion, Mm -hmm. but you also need to have the raw onion. Onion and beef are terrific flavor friends they just go well together and you guys live in la if you ever go to the um middle eastern armenian butcher shops and you get the marinated beef you will notice there's onion in the marinade onion and beef are just their grand friends right so we got the four by two we got it animal style we added the raw onion we want to do light lettuce what light lettuce means is you're getting lettuce but one flaw If I had one bone to pick about In-N-Out is that they can go heavy on the lettuce. So I go light lettuce. I also like tomato because, you know, it's a tomato. It's a burger. And I also like to add chopped chilies. So those are those pickled little yellow chilies you can get. They sit there. They're by the ketchup. But if you say, hey, I want chopped chilies, they'll chop it up, throw it on the burger. And I like to have extra spread. And this is one thing when people... People to want to talk about the debate of In-N-Out versus Shake Shack. I'll say this. This is where In-N-Out wins. They've got the best pink sauce hamburger spread in the game. And if you are in the business of selling hamburgers with a drive-thru, you need to have a killer pink sauce. So there it is, gentlemen. Four by two. Animal style. Raw onion. Light lettuce. Tomato. Chopped chilies. Extra spread. You're welcome. Six dollars fifty five cents. And, and the it. good thing is, like, you can skip the fries at that point because the fries are the worst part of In and Out. Unnecessary. You don't need. You know, I will get the fries as an animal style sometimes, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just you know, to me, the philosophy is this: you're there for a burger. You're not like, hey, you want to get fries? No, we're not. No, we're here to get a burger. So get a burger that just kills it. Um, yeah, done deal. Um, now, you know what's interesting though is when you brought up uh, the idea of you know we we all are from St. Louis you know actually all went to the same high school and you know the idea of you being a meat that's and how we know guy, such famous people like Ali Khan exactly yeah, and uh, and for that matter uh, Sterling K Brown ah, it was I a matter am, of time I am just a matter of time I'm unfamiliar with his work <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like the idea of you know your upbringing and what you grew up eating and tasting. Like for you, if you, you know, the, typically the, the debate is in and out versus five guys, particularly out here. But if mm-hmm. I put it up to you in and out versus steak and shake, what are you going to go with? Mm. You know, here's the problem is that I would have said I used to have dreams 
of finding a steak and shake in the outer environs of Southern California. I love steak and shake in memory. For whatever reasons, when I've had steak and shake recently, it's been disappointing. Now, I've, I take to the internet for food, as I'm known to do, and I've heard that it's just, quote, not the same as it was way once Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, look, I mean, I've gone to a steak and shake here and I've eaten there and I'm like, man, this is not as good as you remember. Now, to add to your point, <clears throat> the burger you grew up on, I think there are independent smash burger places that do an amazing job. Los Angeles has had a bunch of spots yeah, open up that have no really shortage. nailed that. Now, uh, I know for me in St. Louis, I go to Carl's Drive-In and that mm -hmm. is the ultimate. That's a burger that needs no sauce. Um, so that's that's a whole other category right there. But it's the same. I mean, it's know, that same deal, though, with like, you know, the 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 crispy edges and all that. So it's a so good so good anyway go ahead yeah that's yeah but, you but know, it's the same I, style. I would also i also would add to that though that in and out i mean steak and jake does a better job of that laced smashed patty mm -hmm. but let's be honest we all went to steak and shake we went there late night you know <laughs> you don't really have like you know the, the top shelf staff at those <laughs> kinds of restaurants set up i'm not saying it's not possible um but it's you know it's i think there are certain things that do sit well in memory um i you know i will say this i will say this you know for the money and steak and shake is actually very cheap for the money in and out is so cheap, such a great deal. And for whatever reasons, when I've gone to in and out and I talk to the staff there, which I'm known to do, they love working there. They're so proud about working there. Now, I ask you, go to any other fast food drive through burger restaurant and, and, and encounter that kind of deal. Like, I think it's very commendable. But yeah, I mean, you know, dollars to donuts, In-N-Out's beef isn't all that. What makes the In-N-Out burger experience is everything you pile on top of it. It's the fact that it's not like a big, wide, spread out burger. It's a stackable burger. It's all about the toppings. I mean, just my kid, when he, he hates vegetables, so he won't have it. His In-N-Out burger is like, you know, um, meat, cheese, grilled onions, ketchup, right? But he loves the sound of when I bite into the burger. He loves hearing the crunch of lettuce. He doesn't want to eat it, mind you. But that's what the In-N-Out Burger experience is. There's something, I mean, I look, the steak and shake in my memory is amazing. I've just not really experienced it. And I, and again, I've, I've had people comment to me, you know, on social media. I've seen it on Reddit. I just, I'm, I'm going to say it. Steak and shake ain't like it, it used you know to what be. It is. So I, I mean, it's been a few years since I had a, you know, I was in St. Louis with the family visiting and all that. I mean, a Frisco melt still hits a place that like is special in my, in my brain, but 100%. it's, it's a, it's, it's in and out. It's like a cleaner. I'm a little older now. Like, you know, you don't want the thing yeah. that sits quite, it doesn't matter. It kind of doesn't matter what you put on an in and out. It, it's just a cleaner experience a half hour later. Yeah, you know, it just, and that matters. It just it matters at this point 100%. in our lives. No, no, you know what it is. It's 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 a better quality. I think it's fair to say, steak and shakes. All even at its in my mind at its apex, it was a freaking gut bomb. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not as bad as White Castle, but a true gut bomb. But when you're 19, and it doesn't matter. Cleaner. Right? It doesn't well, matter. Nothing um, matters. You know what? Nothing matters nothing, now. Right? I'm say. invincible. Perfect segue to the pandemic. Um, so 
if people have been checking checking out your uh, your 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 social feeds, um, which they can do where? Tell us that right now. Uh, at Ali Khan Eats on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. Yes, um, for the old people, for the oldies. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. People can see how you've been how you've been doing this. What? How are you approaching this? Because you know, people go to your social feeds. Uh, Ali Khan Eats on the what the the Insta and the Twitter. on the Instagram on the Twitter and the Facebook. Okay, I try and I gave up the MySpace. <laughs> How's your TikTok? I gave it up. It's so you know what? It's not released to the public yet. It's still in beta <laughs> testing. You're workshopping. It's a workshopping true story. It's a completely too true. Oh, story. really? It is. Oh wow! Well, just mm-hmm. so, that's something to look forward to. Um, so yeah, it's, it sucks. so people can follow along. They've seen like some of the things that you have been eating. How have you been approaching uh, your your pandemic uh, meals? What what? Take us inside. Well, well, you know, I mean, look, most importantly, like, this isn't just like, oh, I can't go to the fishmonger today. <laughs> this is a bit of an economic burden. So we are we are stretching meals. So I made a roast chicken dinner. We turned that into a chicken soup that turned into lunches for the next couple of days. We're definitely trying to, like, you know, stretch a dollar. Um, you know, I, it's. I anticipated this. I, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, I mean, part of it is like, yes, I say to people, embrace those comfort foods. But, uh, I mean, it's hard. You just don't know, like, what is it? What, what, what are the things that you miss? But at the same time, how does one be practical about it? Like tonight, tonight we made... New York strip steaks on the grill. I did this coffee rub, same seasoning that I did for a recipe I posted two weeks ago. It was awesome. It was a luxe meal. Baked potato, asparagus, just really simple, but really, really great. Um, at the same time, I have other plans. I'm going to make sliders. Uh, and, and actually, I have this one meal that has been in my mind. I actually pitched this as a sandwich to sell on a food truck. I'm going to do a butter chicken fried chicken sandwich with chicken tenders. Um, So that's, you know, part of it is like, I do want to get creative. The other part of it is, Hey, this is, this is the time to like, you know, you know, tighten the belt a bit. Um, You know, I made doll. I've, I've reached for all the comfort foods that are also like economic hits. I'm a, look, my, my parents are from Bangladesh. We lived off legumes and beans. So I, I tell you, making a bean, a lentil curry is so, for me, it's an ultimate comfort food. It's economical. It's nutritious. It's cheap. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, I'm definitely leaning on stuff like that. And then at the same time, I'm also going, well, I want to support a restaurant here and there, too. And I want to be creative. Um, Another thing I plan on doing, we went to this barbecue. You know, I live in Austin, so no shortage of finding some great brisket. I'm going to make a brisket biryani with my leftover brisket. So biryani, the savory Indian rice dish, what I'm going to do is make the rice dish and then add the smoked beef brisket towards the last 20 minutes of the dish preparation. So the rice is set in the Indian aromatics. And then I'm going to add the chunks of brisket in there and just let it warm up to temp because the brisket will be either room temp or refrigerator cold. 
Um, you know, it's it's a combination of getting a little creative, embracing comfort foods, making sure whatever I make, I make a little bit extra that can turn into lunch the next day. Um, and yeah, and you know, supporting restaurants. You know, it's um you know, it's it's hard. It's it's hard. You know, like I want to sit there and say, hey, let's let's make lobster today. <laughs> you know, but I feel <laughs> a little uneasy about all that stuff. Um, it's lobster so, week yeah, at the con house. Here we go. It is. It is. It really is. It is. It is like, oh, we got we want fettuccine Alfredo. You know what? Maybe what I'll do just for positivity, I'll do a whole week of Olive Garden esque commercials, like <laughs> unlimited unlimited oatmeal at breakfast. All the oatmeal you want forget about it but you know when that you actually goes, family <laughs> that leads in your case literally when they are there they are family because those are the only people allowed in your house right now but like <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's true it's so true but like with that in mind though are are there cheap grocery items that you recommend looking into from that perspective of budget either because they go a long way like there's a lot of taste for the buck they can get bought in bulk they pair well with everything Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, out the gate. I so I I did an Instagram live with a, a friend of mine who's a chef, Indian chef that we featured on Cheap Eats, and you know, I asked him like, "What are you making? What are you making that's just making you feel good?" And he goes, "Anything I can make in a pot." And I think it's true. Like you, you get back into those tried and true recipes of braises, and those are dishes that if it's a protein braise. It's a, a cheaper cut that takes time to cook to become tender and palatable. Well, guess what? We have time. You know what I mean? We have yeah. time. You know, so now is the time to definitely do that stuff. You know, I, there's, there's, to me, I'm, I'm in a funny place because, you know, the other day, I ate tater tots and it was so good. It was so good just to have beautiful, delicious, salty, frozen prepared food. But, you know, that food goes away like that. So I would caution anyone, you know, when you're in the freezer section, those frozen meals, like Mm -hmm. they're just over like that. I, I, you know, I, I did this anyways, but whenever you're cooking food from its most base base element you know what i mean like if you're cooking dried legumes oh my god you go and buy a two pound bag of beans my friends you can make meals you can make meals and meals and meals out of it i mean i'm just gonna pull a page from my own from my own ethnic playbook it's lentils like you know you ask any indian particularly a bengali like what's their what's the meal they can't live without it's dal it's a lentil curry and it's so cheap to make all you really need is a little bit of the Indian mirepoix, some onion, some garlic, some ginger, and then even a freaking curry powder, you know, but any kind of Indian spice. And then you bring in the dried goods, you know, the whatever the split split peas or or lentils and then water. And that's it. I mean, you're talking about cheap. That's pretty darn cheap. Um, anything that you're really making from scratch. It's like I would say the freezer section at the grocery store is probably your, quote, biggest enemy. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, I freaking look. I'm in the grocery store sometimes and I'm like, man, I want that frozen White Castle. Like, see, this is what happens is like you're so you're, you're cooking so much at home that you miss mm-hmm. that. You know, there's a wonderful 
complex flavor from processed food. It's freaking delicious. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I, w- I was going off on it and out. Yeah, it's because American cheese. And American cheese has all kinds of emulsifiers and processed stuff. So, like, look, you know, you just have to, like, I think you just need to recognize, hey, be good to yourself. You know, give yourself a treat here and there. But, I mean, if you're cooking a lot at home, as long as you're covering a lot of the base meals with whole foods, you know what I mean? Like, trying to make things from its more base elements. And that's how you're going to And that's how you're going to be. And you're accomplishing two things at once. You're not only are you, well, actually three things. Not only are you eating well, you're saving a little bit of money because if you're making it from scratch, you're probably doing it in a cheaper way than if it's if it's prepared that way. And then also, you're you're using a part of your day. Like it, yes. it's, it's useful in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too, like, look, you have, whether we like it or not, I and mean, we have all this time, you know, now's the time, you know, I, I had a big epiphany years ago. I remember I used to want to, I always did cornbread stuffing for Thanksgiving and I'd always get a box and the box had everything I needed to make the cornbread stuffing. Then one day I looked at the cornbread stuffing box and I'm like, hang on, why don't I just buy this stuff on my own? And all I needed was baking soda. And then I had cornmeal and egg and and, and I could make this stuff. Like, you know, you, you know, you have the time to try and make things from scratch. I think this is, this is the lamest thing ever, but something I've been noticing on my social media, and I think literally you could hashtag this white people stuff, is I see all these people <laughs> making sourdough bread. Now, as much as I want to just make fun of that, it is awesome <laughs> that all of a sudden now you have the time to make things that you probably would have said, yeah, I'll just buy a loaf at Whole Foods. Um, and I would say, too, like... A lot of cooking, uh, for me, a big thing of co- uh, when I go out to eat, why do I say it's worth spending whatever it is for that dish? Is because such and such dish takes too much time to make it home. Well, guess what, my friends? You have all the time in the world. So, you know, I would almost look back at certain types of recipes that take a lot of time in terms of process and prep and say, now is the time to do it. Right. You know, like, look, you know, cooking a steak takes no time at all, but slow cooking something, braises and whatnot, those are things you could definitely have, spend the time to do that maybe you could not do before. And you could do it with okay. the kids. And that's the thing, too. You know, you need an hour to kill with the kids. Make bread. Like, make bread. And it's like science mm-hmm. class. Like, that's science. Like, baking is science. Like, you can figure, like, if you're home and you're homeschooling and you're on this schedule, like, all of this stuff is useful. Like it's not just because I don't have any time and I know Andy's got, but like you, you have to find stuff. And so cooking the meals with the kids is stuff. That's time. Yeah. It's useful. Well, with, with that in mind too, Con, like what's a meal that you think sounds more intimidating than it actually is that people could look to make at home with this time to kill and just the ability to learn more about cooking? You know, ooh, I love that. That's a good one. I, you know, I'm thinking, you know what, uh, anything with just a lot of oven time, because oven time is easy, because once it's in there, it's done. So a dish that I love to make, uh, it's a Rick Bayless recipe for pork and, and 
basically cooked in sauces. So basically what you do is it's it's braised pork in tomatillos. So what you do is you take pork shoulder, you cube it up, you toss it in some Worcestershire sauce, and then you take, a, if you have a heavy pot, um, I'm going to name drop here, the La Crusette is like kind of the gold standard, but any kind of like heavy, heavy pot that's oven safe, you want to layer it with tomatillos, right? The green tomatoes mm-hmm. that you can get. Yeah. Either at, I mean, any supermarket will have it, but certainly any like Latin supermarket. So a bunch of tomatillos quartered, okay? A little bit of cilantro, um, some garlic, and then the killer part is pickled jalapenos, which is also another ingredient you'll find like in any, in the Hispanic, Latino section of any major supermarket. Um, you put the pork over that and you stick it in the oven for three hours 300 degrees you pull it out you remove the meat and then you can take all those tomatillos you can either put it in a blender or a food processor to pulse into a sauce or you if you have a hand mixer like an immersion blender that'll basically turn it on to salsa then you return the pork back into the pulsed tomatoes. Um, and then if you really want to make it a hearty meal, you can add in some beans. I'll add like canned cannellini beans in there. It's an awesome, awesome meal that I, I remember I made it wet right when we had our kid and I froze it. And it's an amazing thing to heat up, uh, you know, in the microwave or whatever. But, you know, th- these are these dishes that, again, you know, time is, is, is now... You know, it went from a premium to something we all have. So I would say anything that says, oh, this takes three hours to make or a crock pot dish, brother, bring it on. You know what I mean? You've got the time. All you really need to do. They're kind of idiot proof, too. Like what you're describing is not technically difficult cooking. You add a little too much of this, a little too little of that. Like it's still going to taste good. It's stupid easy. It's really, really, really really stupid easy in fact i mean the other thing too is like you know when you're talking about cooking these slow cooks or braises you know the hard part is just taking the protein that technically is it's it's tough you know if you tried to cook it right away it would be very tough but all you have to do is put it in the oven in a nice controlled environment and it's money it's ready to go so anything that's like slow cooker friendly that's something that i would jump on and absolutely relish um and i mean you could just kind of go on and on and on from that but i think i mean it's great because that's a great dish because it freezes so well it's awesome in tacos it's great in a bowl i mean we're we're kind of in a funny time here with weather like yesterday it was like 50 degrees so you know if you're kind of in the middle of of, of where weather's hitting you right now it, it works both ways you know um it could be a great savory dish uh, if it's a little bit nippy outside. All right. Um, my last thing for you, Ali, is uh, I I have had absolutely uncontrollable urges for bread and ice cream since we've been like forced to stay home. And yeah. I'm just curious, like what what are your cravings? Like what are the things that you just like you're just driven to right now? Oh, I mean, I'm always craving something. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really am. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've had some red wine. I mean, I've had plenty of like drinks here and there. Um, we have some leftover birthday cake in the fridge. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna make milkshakes out of that. 
Nice. <laughs> I am fired up for that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's and, you know, you talked about doing stuff with the kids. They all love making cookies and whatnot. Like any kind of dessert stuff is is, is definitely the way to go. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. If if it goes in a glass, that's been my advice. That's for sure. Um, You're right. But yeah, you know, we we had we just had a little. It was my wife's birthday on Monday, and I got a chocolate cake, and it was a ganache. And literally, I was like, "Oh, we're putting half of this in the freezer, and then we're just going to turn it into milkshakes." So. Um, so that, that that's been a big thing too. I'm a chocolate guy. Anything chocolate is is always a good thing. You're a handy guy. Chocolate to have and alcohol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, those two things go together, actually. Um, I'm kind of like Batman in that sense. <laughs> All right, Ali Khan, host of Cheap Eats on the Cooking Channel, feature on the Best Thing I Ever Ate. He's a food blogger, an In and Out lover. Uh, follow him on all of the social feeds. Uh, Ali Khan eats, dude. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, man. Get the four by two. I really want you to get a guys to get that burger. It's it's a real I, I've told people about it. It's a real effing shot. It's, it's and the, when I talk to people, they're they're into it. It's the subtlety of the of the uh reduction in cheese quantity. I think that's that changes it. Huge. Yeah. Huge. I mean, whoever said that the ratio of a one and a half ounce patty to a slice of American cheese. Any other time, you can get a half pound patty. You know what you get? You get one slice of cheese, stupid. Like it's 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 it's, it's hilarious. The American people have been duped. You know, like just just do, <laughs> mm. do that feels like an evergreen statement, yeah. there, Con. <laughs> I feel like we, I feel like we've been tricked into a lot worse, but that's okay. Um, I. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. All right. Uh, thanks to Ali for uh, for joining the show. Andy, it is big announcement time. Yes, it is. Do you want to do a drum roll? Uh, that's pretty good. Thank, thank you. you. I used to play uh, drums. That's true. That's why I asked you. If, if anybody's prepared to do it, it's you. Um, so, you know, as, as people know, there's a, a shortage of news right now uh, in the Lakers. There's no basketball. So <laughs> it's it's a little tough to uh, to do this show on a weekly basis and bring you guys good stuff. What we're going to be doing is... Well, good um, stuff about the Lakers. Whether it's repackaging, we're going to call it repackaging, <laughs> uh, starting a new show, whatever it is, along with our Lakers coverage, uh, we are going to be launching starting next week a sports movies podcast and uh in this space so be prepared for that we're going to start with rocky three correct yeah. andy yeah we're going to start Is with that the rocky. plan yeah we're going to start with rocky three um it's a little bit of a nod to the athletics recent sports uh sports movies week where they did the uh top 100 sports movies of all time number one was rocky and we will eventually get to rocky but that felt a little too on the nose as your starting point movie but right. we wanted to keep it in the family, so we we're work, Rocky. We're through. working our way. We're going to work our way up to Rocky. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but it's if you like sports movies as we do, uh, we hope you'll you'll enjoy this show. Uh, it's been something that we've wanted to do for a long time, and uh, quite frankly, this is a good time for it. Yeah, um, I mean, there's I, just only so much 
you know, when Lakers stuff happens, we'll we'll record shows around it. Like we're not going anywhere for that stuff, but we're just going to bring you. We're the idea is to try to bring people some some fresh content, something new, something interesting, uh, and fun, and really, and honestly, two stuff that people can follow along with. You, know, yeah. you can go watch the movie and follow along with. Podcasts, yeah, uh, so. line up some good guests. Try to get some guests uh, whenever possible that were involved with the movies. And just real, I mean, really have a good time. This, like you said, Brian, this is actually something we've wanted to do for a while. I wish the uh, reason that we're able to do it was much different, but nonetheless, I think there's going to be a really fun way. Well, to I try never to understood it. why you so you would always say like we're only we'll break this out if there's a pandemic, but other than that, no. Yeah, I mean, you it thought was I was very specific, and I didn't think it was going to come to pass, but here we are. Yeah, well, I mean, every every now and then, I'm onto something. Well, you are the older brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a certain wisdom that I might not have. Um, but anyway, so be on the lookout. We'll start that next week um, and uh, with Rocky Three, And we'll see everybody next time.